0: Into sports. 20 yards out, urge to shoot, oh. Touch it. Oh my oh. god, for Fabinho! Wow! And get into the all new OTV sports app. I think when he apologises to me, I probably will say hello to him. Yeah, no. I'm... Videos, sports news, live scores, interviews.
1: If Abra is going to come up to me in the street and give me some of a mouth that he would have given me on a football pitch, what would he do? he get a slap. Plus,
0: exclusive content on the OTB Podcast Network. The biggest names in sports. Ready when you are. Search OTB Sports on your App Store and download it now. The OTB Podcast Network. Brady and Belichick have been at the forefront of the credit in New England for the last 20 years. Ah! OTB's American Football Show, The Snap on OTB Sports Radio. And you're very welcome along to this week's edition of The Snap. The Snap and indeed all of our American football coverage on OTB is brought to you by the Erlingus College Football Classic. Now, obviously, like many sporting events, the 2020 game was postponed amidst the global pandemic, but 2021 now becomes the focus. And everybody's very hopeful that Illinois against Nebraska can go ahead at the Aviva Stadium around about this time next year. The very latest and up-to-date information on that ticket and tickets will be available at collegefootballireland.com. Kian Fahey is with us this week. Kian, how are you?
1: Very tired, Jarrah. I was up watching the best that the NBA has to offer last night and the best that the NFL has to offer last night. We got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Gardner Minshew.
0: Yeah, so it's slightly imbalanced there in favor of the NBA.
1: I found myself still flicking back to the Jaguars-Dolphins game. It was a weirdly interesting game. It was one of those funny games that you get with... um. Ryan Fitzpatrick where it's perfect for him it's a battle between two completely irrelevant teams on a Thursday night that no one wants to watch so he's an absolute superstar and has the game of his life
0: uh, Is Gardner Minshew going to be a quarterback in the NFL this time next year?
1: Uh, yes but he won't be starting I don't think actually he probably be in that role where he starts ahead of the rookie for the first couple of weeks They won the Tyrod Taylor has pretty much taken over everywhere he's been lately it was, it was honestly like it was the game that showed off why he's not going to make it It's he has no process in the pocket he runs himself into trouble and he just misses too many throws the big changing point well it wasn't really a big changing point because they were so far behind anyway but in the fourth quarter they had a fake screen or a fake quick out on the right, right side against a massive uh, overhaul, overhaul blitz And he had a wide receiver, Keelan Cole, wide open down the end zone. Obviously, there was pressure because of the blitz, but he missed a wide open draw he should have made. That would have made the final quarter a little bit interesting. But it was actually a really, really big game for the Dolphins. And it's always in week three, when you find these teams that are at zero and two, there's a level of desperation that it's hard to account for coming into the week that they desperately needed that game. But last week against the Bills, Brian Flores tried to do the old Patriots uh, play designs, the Patriots game plan, where plays press-man coverage across the board, blitzes, so his cornerbacks are out like crazy, and it got him absolutely destroyed. He changed it up this week and actually played a lot more zone, changed up the blitzes, changed up the, the coverages, and it, it really, really important for him for the long term, because if he was going to go down that road and just be Matt Patricia, he'd be in major trouble this time next year.
0: OK, but it turns out he is actually a good coach. Like We have to give him a lot of credit for what happened last season when the organisation was trying to tank and he was still capable of pulling wins out of his ass.
1: I think you give him a lot of credit for what he did last year. I don't think that necessarily makes him a good coach. You just need to see it over the long term. And this year so far, they've been a worse team than they were last year, even though they've got a lot more uh, talent added to the team in free agency. And, well, the draft obviously hasn't had its impact yet, but there's more pieces other than Tua.
0: Okay, all right. Let's leave that there. It was a 31-13 win for the Dolphins. We can bring you through last week's results to uh, s- provoke some talking points, and then we'll tell you what the fixtures are this week as well. So the Browns, as we know, blew out, uh, didn't blow out, 35-30 against uh, Joe Burrows Bengals. The Bears beat the Giants 17-13. The Philadelphia Eagles are in crisis mode 37-19. The LA Rams beat them. The Dallas Cowboys beat the Atlanta Falcons by 40 points to 39 in a remarkable game. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are open running 31 31- 17 winners against the Carolina Panthers the Jets they're not good the San Francisco 49ers were really good until uh, the entire team went down with ACLs they beat them 31-13 the Steelers beat the Broncos 26-21 and the Titans beat the Jags 33-30 Green Bay Aaron Rodgers, good at football, uh, playing godlike at the moment, 42-21. The Bills beat the Dolphins in that game that Keynes has been talking about, 31-28. The Vikings, they are not good at the moment and uh, are pretty close to full-blown crisis as well. 28-11, uh, Philip Rivers beat them last week. The Cardinals, well, uh, Keyens' preseason pick of the Cardinals being the pick of the NFC West. They look brilliant at the moment. 30-15 winners against uh, Washington. The Ravens, 33, Houston, 16. Kansas City Chiefs needed overtime. To uh, bring home a lot of people's bets, 23-20 against the Chargers. The Seahawks beat the Patriots in a cracker, 35-30. And the, uh, the Raiders, this is getting interesting in, uh, in Las Vegas, 34-24, they beat the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we should talk about John Gruden because a lot of people assumed that sitting in the booth for a decade, picking up 10 million a year or whatever it was, um, was actually going to blunt his talents as a head coach. It's early yet, but are you giving him some credit?
1: Oh, absolutely, especially because actually first all, I want to note it's very weird to say Las Vegas Raiders still, so I'm gonna say Oakland over the coming weeks. And it's just gonna happen. It's the same with the Los Angeles Chargers after they became San Diego or left to San Diego. Um John Gruden I, I think You have to note as well that he had such a rough tumultuous start with Antonio Brown. And how much of that was his fault, how much of that was Antonio Brown's fault, we'll never really know from the outside looking in. But Antonio Brown obviously had a little bit of history there as well. So he was brought into a situation where he had to manage a rough uh, personality and he lost his best receiver because of that. And they've had to completely adjust now without Antonio Brown bringing in Henry Rhodes. But what's actually happened is Darren Waller, who they pulled from the Ravens' practice squad, has become the focal point of the offense. And John Gruden has built his offense largely around Darren Waller, his passing game at least. Josh Jacobs, the running back, was a great pick in the draft. The only real issue you've had with this regime as a whole is who they've picked on the defensive side. Cleon Farrell going in the top five of the draft was insane, and his production and his performances have reflected that. They got Max Crosby, who played well in that same class. But in terms of the coaching job, he's done exactly what they needed to do with Derek Carr. They've taken away a lot of his responsibilities. They've asked him to do very specific things. He has very easy, careful reads to prevent him from making costly turnovers. Carr is still very, very cautious in his decision-making. And that will ultimately hold them back. But that's a quarterback issue more than it is a coach issue. John Gruden deserves all the credit in the world. Like they, there was a story, like there's also a massive amount of luck in this because there was a story last night about how John Gruden got Darren Waller, where what actually happened was Darren Waller was on the practice squad with the Ravens wasn't playing, and in a preseason uh, in the pre- sorry, not in the preseason. In the game, in the warm-up beforehand, he wasn't even in uniform. He was just out in the field catching passes, jumping around, showing off his athleticism. And Gruden said, "Oh, we'll take him. He looks better than anything we've got," which sounds brilliant. But in reality, like, are you really taking a guy based off what he did, not even in uniform? That's a very concerning process over the long term. That worked out, and that's a scenario. And Waller himself has an incredible backstory where he's only recently sober. His career has been derailed a couple of times because he hasn't been able to get fully focused on football. And now, for the last two years at least, he's been completely sober and fully focused. He's been outstanding. He had a huge game last week against the Saints and was at the focal, or was at the at the fulcrum of that win against the Saints. And like, they were fully deserved. Like the Saints weren't anywhere competitive at all in that game. It's not like they stashed that win and, and we're lucky to get it.
0: Yeah, and uh, they've got Bill Belichick coming up this week, so that's like, look, it's a big test for them. It, they are still relatively early on when it comes to team building. We've seen some teams be able to absolutely turn things around really quickly, but that tends to be a short-term burst. What they're trying to do is build around a a nucleus of young players, hence trading away all of the assets that they had in uh, Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack. And in the long run, if you want to own your entire locker room and if you want to be the person who's in charge, then those decisions at the time, they got some criticism for them. But in the long run, they seem to be doing okay. The Cleveland Farrell pick, I think the jury's still out because he he apparently had a a game ending involvement um, at the end of the game last week. So there's some signs of hope with that. As a, as actually a, sure I
1: think, I think what you mentioned there like the fact that I didn't even think of Mac Cooper and no one really talks about Mac or Cooper if this team was struggling or if he was doing a bad job we'd be bringing Mac and Cooper up every single week and talking about those trades we don't talk about them anymore because they've done well enough after them
0: yeah and look I think as well if you're an owner and you have this bond with the head coach that he does he gave him the massive contract they've just moved stadiums the fans aren't in the stadiums yet like he's there for the long haul barring a complete flame out and there's no sign of that flame out
1: yeah, and that stadium is really impressive, by the way. I know, I know, like phrasing a stadium sounds a bit ridiculous, but maybe it's partly because it's in Las Vegas as well. It kind of looks like the park with all the strip behind it and all that. That was a really cool opening night in a really big game. And honestly, the only thing that would have made that game more fun is if the Saints turned up and if Drew Brees had actually played pretty well and made it a bit more of a shootout. Because like, I don't think anyone expected it to be so easy for the Raiders in the end.
0: Is the situation in New Orleans, are we about to see a change at quarterback, do you think? Or how long? What, what length is the rope that they have with Drew Brees at the moment?
1: He's not going anywhere. He's starting for this year. Like as much as they want to talk about Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill is not going to be able to replace Drew Brees. He he can't like Taysom Hill can't even run the full offense. When he comes in, it's a narrowed down running offense more than it is. Like Jameis Winston is there as well, but they're clearly not invested in Jameis Winston and making him as a starter. The only way Brees sits this year is if he gets hurt. They'll go. It's it's like when Philip Rivers was in Los Angeles last year they knew he was finished they knew they were done with him mid that season at least and they decided to let him finish a year out as a respect for philip rivers drew brees is so beloved in new orleans he's like even after his off-season controversy he's still so beloved by the saints franchise as a whole he's not going anywhere and i i just think like obviously they will rebound at some point a little bit but it's also very clear that he's physically not where he needs to be
0: um has Drew Brees already signed? Is he the one who signed the the deal with one of the TV companies? Is that? Has,
1: um... He had. And I don't. I don't know if that holds up anymore. I assume it will. But Jay Cutler had done that as well, and it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't honored in the end because he went back to play one year with Adam Gates.
0: Right. So uh, that was a mistake from his perspective. Yeah. Let's talk about the two of the other big games that happened last week. Um, as it means of really talking about where the, these teams are at the moment. The uh, Seahawks and the Patriots had a, a bit of a shootout. Uh, everybody I've heard talking about this game has been raving about how good Cam Newton has been. We, we'll talk about Russell Wilson in a moment, but despite the fact they lost, his reputation after that game seems to have come out as somebody who is quite close to being back to the level that he was at when he was MVP
1: yeah well he only made two mistakes in the whole game i think maybe one actually like there was two two outside throws basically that cost him or that gave the defense an opportunity to make an interception and one of them was picked off which is costly in the end but you also saw the ability to run the ball and that was kind of massive to cam's past and was gone away in recent years and the like so at the goal line is where it was really impressive where they had a heavy package where they had no real receivers on the field they had a tight ends fullback. They might even have a defensive player on, on the offense. And what they will do is they will come out with Newton and pistol, which means he's not under center. He's a, little, a couple of steps back, but he's not fully in shotgun. So he's got a running back behind him and a big man next to him. And what happens is they come out in that formation, they look at the lineup of the defense, and they go, there's four guys on that side, there's five guys on this side, okay, we're going to run out to four guys. So they'll move the guy from the from next to Cam to the left side of the offense, move the running back into his spot, and then have them lead block for Newton. Newton becomes the running back, and it changes the numbers advantage. And this is why the Seahawks struggled with it so much. They stopped it in the last play of the game because the defensive back on the outside just made an outstanding play in read because he understood what was coming and broke into the backfield and blew it all up. But before that, actually i came on here last week and i talked about week one and i said newton looked like he was somewhat back but i also talked about how it was very specific passing game where they were using play action and throwing the ball between the linebackers and safeties in the middle of the field which were easier throws they started this game that way as well although they didn't have the ball in the first quarter because of a turnover but they start they started this game in a similar way where the offense was very cautious and not doing a huge amount and then it opened up when they needed it to open up as the game went on and you saw newton make throws that he hasn't made for for probably three years, there was one down the right sideline to Julian Edelman. There was another over the middle to Julian Edelman near the end near the end zone. There was a, a couple to Demaryius Bird on the outside and one on a post route. These are outstanding plays, and he looked like the guy who was the MVP, like we talked about. He still not got that unholy arm strength that he used to have before where he could throw the ball 10 seconds late and it would still arrive on time. He can't do that anymore, but he can do everything you need him to do as a passer now that he could do that a normal quarterback can do. And when you've got Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels deciding those plays, that suddenly becomes very difficult to stop. But another aspect of it was there was a stat this week that the Patriots left tackle hasn't given up a pressure all year it's a bit of a nonsense stat because the Patriots left tackle has been beaten quite a few times this year and what's happening is Newton is adjusting and moving within the pocket and he's changing the point of attack all the time so it's very difficult to rush the pass from now and that's actually a massive upgrade over what Brady was last year because Brady can't move at all so when Brady was in the pocket the defense knew where it was trying to get to and where it was attacking so you have this massively more dynamic offense that the Patriots have and with Cam Newton it feels like he's going to get more or he's going to get better and better as the year goes on and it feels like the Patriots are going to open up their offense more and more as the year goes on so we were talking about best teams in the league this week earlier this week and I think the Patriots and the Seahawks are both right there in the top 5 at this point but I actually put the Patriots a little bit above the Seahawks even though they lost that game they lost it in Seattle obviously there was no fans but you still have to do the travel and it was so close at the end it feels like the Patriots are going to get better as the year goes on where this is kind of what the Seahawks are so I'm really excited about what they've got now and again it's another year of Bill Belichick and the Patriots probably running the AFC East
0: Cap room of 24 million this season so if you're Belichick and you realize that Cam is going to be somebody who you can rely on, fitness assuming, uh, do you start investing that money now and and try and beef up some of the areas that you're struggling in, like add a wide receiver, add some um, some depth that's either linebacker or uh, I don't know where else they're weak. They're, you know, the various players who are taking the year off, you could definitely sign somebody on a year-long deal or a rental with a second or third round pick.
1: Well I was thinking this last night about the Jaguars, because the Jaguars are now in a position where they've got ten days before their next game and they're zero or are one and two, which one and two is better than what we expected. But they're still not really trying to win this year. So I was thinking that's like they should probably be trading pieces away. And they've got the perfect player for the Patriots defense in Miles Jack. Miles Jack is a veteran, he's not gonna be around when the Jaguars are a quality team, but he can play this year or next year for the Patriots and be an outstanding contributor. I'm not necessarily sure it's going to happen. I think COVID throws a lot of things into, into question as well. Ideally, they would have a better receiving corps than they have. So I'm not sure there's anyone really out there. There's a little bit of talk about, hey, Antonio Brown is coming back after week eight. I think that would be a very risky thing to do. I'm not sure it will actually happen. Not necessarily risky because Brown will be a problem, but it will be a massive PR issue for them because of why he's been accused of off the field. So I don't know what they're going to do. I think they could stand to add a wide receiver. They could stand to add... Uh, another uh, linebacker they could even add, stand to add another pass rusher because there was no pass rusher from Russell Wilson on Monday night but overall I, I'm not too concerned about whether they add anyone or not because you've still got a high quality secondary you've still got an incredible offensive line in front of Cam Newton and Demier Bird has played really really well on the outside so far I don't think that's going to stop because he's always been consistent he's never had this massively broad skill set because he's a shorter receiver who's a speedster but he's showing good routes he's running well he's catching the ball consistently I think overall I'm not really expecting them to struggle at all and Keel Harry should get better as the year goes on they have young tight ends there who haven't really made an impact yet so they might come in the more the season goes on as well I'd be really excited about the Patriots at this point I think like you've got The Ravens, the Chiefs, and then the Patriots are right there as that third team in the league, especially because the 49ers have been blown to pieces.
0: Okay, what about Russell Wilson, though? This is uh, the year that he's been paid the superstar contract again properly, and he has asked for the freedom to do what he wants to do. He has backed himself publicly. He's banging on about how amazing he is. I mean... Never been Russell Wilson's biggest fan, but he is very, very, very good at football.
1: He's accurate on 53 of 59 passes this year, which is 90%. It's pretty, pretty good, especially when you're pushing the ball downfield all the time. His relationship with DK Metcalf has just been un- unprecedented, really. Like, Metcalf came out of, the- of college as a guy who couldn't run routes, it was his physical freak. And we saw what he did to Stephon Gilmore on, on Sunday night. And Gilmore kind of got a-, a lot of abuse and got, hey, he got beaten for big plays and Metcalf roasted him and all this. So I really want to go back and look at that and it wasn't really that Gilmore got roasted Metcalf was in tight coverage and Gilmore played him really well and Metcalf's running these really good routes and then the balls being thrown are just perfectly timed and perfectly accurate Wilson's accuracy has always been incredible where he's got himself in trouble is he's made misreads from the pocket or he's he's, um, he's his timing has been off or he's taking too many sacks and that's not happening anymore his offensive line has been a little bit better as well, that's improved to the point that he's got more time and space in the pocket and he's just thriving, he's making incredibly good decisions, he's always been efficient he's extending plays as he's always done before he's in that perfect prime of his career right now where his age and his skill set match, so his experience and his skill set match and I think the Seahawks have done an incredible job of building around him, Chris Carson caught a touchdown pass the other night, he's also a key part of the running game, he's been really effective and reasonable one of my favourite players to watch in the league, just because of the way he runs and how powerful he is. It's a little bit like Manu Tuilagi in a rugby field, where you don't feel anyone's going to stop him. The Seahawks also, like they brought in Greg Olson. He had a drop on on Sunday night, uh, caused an interception. He hasn't had, had any real impact. But he was a good addition to complement what they already had. So, Tyler Lockett, DK Mecca, perfect vertical passing game at Wilson's ability to lay the ball into a perfect spot. Seahawks are going to be there or thereabouts, especially now that the NFC West seemed, looks like it's going to be them and the Cardinals.
0: I think that actually they are going to get better as the season goes on, though. The point you made earlier on about this is who they are, like they have one of the great defensive minds coaching them, and surely that team will actually get better defensively as the season goes on, too.
1: Yeah, no because the, as good as you are defensively you can't create pass rushers and it's very obvious that they don't have defensive ends they don't have quality pass rushers LJ Collier who played on on the outside was getting bullied a lot of time in the first two weeks you've got uh, a couple of injuries this week as well that they're going to have to deal with moving, moving forward as well I, I think Pete Carroll's a great coach I think he's proven that he can get a defense to be average or above average if it's got limited talent but I don't think any coach outside of maybe Belichick can create a high quality defense without guys who can win one-on-one on one matchups over and over again. There's talk of them getting Demont Harrison, who is more more known as Snacks Harrison, who is a massive defensive tackle who is able to hold up in 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 the run and stop in the middle. But that's not going to improve their pass rush. And they've already got Puna Ford doing that role very very well. And Puna Ford's probably a little bit more dynamic than Snacks Harrison is so he, adding him isn't really going to change much if they do add him. Even though he's a bigger name player and he's a, a very good player, it's just that uh, that that one primary weakness that they have. They're kind of unfortunate. They haven't. They've missed on a couple of draft picks there.
0: Okay, we uh, are going to preview the Ravens Chiefs in just a moment, but I think it's probably time for us to uh, introduce a brand new slot here. There's no pick six for you this week. Instead, we've got the rookie corner. Are and- you a complete rookie? Enda Call is going to join us in studio uh, every week because it is time for our new segment on the show. Are you a complete rookie? It's Rookie's (laughs) Corner. Uh, I I, I blew this slot, right? Not just with my introduction there, but by the pre-show office chat where Enda confessed that he didn't actually know what pick six meant, and we walked him through it. Yeah. It would have been a moment of high comedy. It would have, like viewers would have seen
2: Jair do a fake run towards the, the end zone I do want to say before we get into this I am fully putting myself on the line here by embarrassing myself with my NFL knowledge so this that's, is, this that's this is your safe on space. the table from the start
0: this is your safe space there's, there's no question too dumb nothing too stupid um, I mean there is the show was called The Snap and it was like is the pick the bit where they, um, they <laughs> get the ball at the line of scrimmage and pass it back to the pass it back to the quarterback and we were like that's actually the name of the show. So that's the starting point, and I think
2: it's fair enough. There's a lot of people in the same boat, and it, you know? I've, I've been blindly watching this sport for a couple of years without actually knowing. Like, all of my knowledge, I realize, off this sport comes from either The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler or there's a, a film, I'm not sure if you saw it, where The Rock or Dwayne Johnson is uh, uh, Welcome to the Jungle and he's a guy. debt collector, and he goes into some bar and he has to collect uh, money from some NFL team, and they start naming all the positions, and he's like, "Oh, he's one of the best defensive ends in the NFL, and this guy played for whatever U- USC and all these colleges." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know about NFL now." So that's where my knowledge has come from. That's that's really it. Okay, well that's fair enough. Uh, what is a pick six ender? It is when the quarterback throws the ball. And it's intercepted, and that person runs to the end zone and gets a touchdown. Excellent. Six points. Excellent. There we go. See, uh, it's quick. The knowledge bomb has been dropped on you already this morning,
0: and you're reaping your rewards. Uh, earthly rewards, it would have to be.
2: So what is your question this week for us, Ando? Well, this is actually something that I wondered for a good while now while watching it. So the, you have the, the snap, which I now know is when the ball is snapped. So when you're defending that... You obviously have the the two guys going at each other, at the two lines, but there's a file called holding, because and can you explain the file? What is holding? Because you no, have no. to hold these people off no. to stop them getting horrible. This about is it. impossible. Actually, this is the worst
0: question you could possibly ask for the first <laughs> time. Like,
1: there's no answer.
0: <laughs> there's no bad questions. There's no answer. Uh, okay, Keen, try and uh, okay. explain.
1: Right, so I want to get the caveat here that it's a bit like what's a foul in Gaelic football. It's very hard to say something. Or a tackle.
0: What's but a tackle in Gaelic football? That's this, it's. This, you've asked us why. <laughs> why are they sometimes allowed to like wrestle lads to the ground and it's not a free, and then other times you do the same thing and it's like a red black card. Uh, so, good question. Silver.
1: There's offensive holding and there's defensive holding. What you're asking about is offensive holding, which is the offensive linemen, which are the big, massive dudes who's, who one of them snaps the ball at the start, who are in front of the quarterback. They never touch the ball, but they can make $300 million in their career because of how important they are. So the key of it is like, you have to have your hands on the guy you're blocking to stop him from getting to the quarterback, but you're not allowed to grab anything. You're not allowed to hold him back. You're not allowed, like, if you see a guy hanging off someone like a cape, that's holding. If you see someone like if the defensive line comes past you so he's shoulder to shoulder with you and you have your arm you stick your arm out and you're holding up and you see the two guys together and some for some reason the guy is next to him but he's still stopping him from getting to the quarterback that's going to be holding so what actually ends up happening is you teach your offensive linemen to put their hands on the inside in the chest plate because in the chest plate the officials can't see anything so you've got him in the middle so if you're holding him inside, they can't see it. If you're holding him on his outside shoulder up top, the officials can see it, and that's why they call holding. So you'll often see holding when the quarterback runs from left or to the left or to the right, because when he does that, the guys are holding him on the inside, and the guy the, the, suddenly the defender he's holding starts to run that way, and you're still holding him. So you turn this way, and suddenly the jersey can be, is stretching, and the officials can see it. So and there's, a different, there's also different elements to it, like you can't tackle guys, which you have seen happen a couple of times this year. In week one, they didn't call it at all for some reason, and everyone was allowed to do whatever the hell they wanted to do. But in, in essence, it, what it means is you have to stay in front of a defensive lineman without grabbing him and pulling him back or stopping him in, other, in, in a way that's not part of your body. You can't really use your limbs to hold a guy up or stop him. But you still have to engage and touch him with your hands. That's so kinda like if you simple. do that, you can't do that.
2: Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's kind of like Gaelic football. I mean, you can't In sense grab someone no sense. around the the shoulders or grab their jersey, but you can push them back. And you can you can punch, can't you? Like, oh yeah, you
1: can. You can, like punch you can go like that. You yeah.
0: So like the the ability to use your that's why
2: the squats are, are very important for those guys that they can. So the, you can break people's ribs. But like, I had a Gaelic football manager actually that taught us to tackle like that. That used to almost break your ribs when he was demonstrating how you tackle a man. It's like he always just battered you in the chest. No, he was, a good, he was a good football manager, and it was the best, way, best, late best, ender, best training just, I've ever had. Too late, ender, too late, all he heard was like, oh. I didn't name, I've played for a couple of times. He, knows, so he name, knows who he I is, though. Name. Ah, he does, well. yeah,
1: he does. I I I've, I had a football manager who played um, the speech by inches from any given Sunday before one of our games. Once so I think that's a better American football link.
2: We actually we had a we had an Arma nostalgia piece from their All Ireland win, and they played uh, the the speech from any given Sunday on the bus on the way to Crow Park <laughs> for the All
1: Ireland. All I all I remember is trying to not laugh because everyone else was quiet, really into it. But the, uh, another aspect of um of that is. When, when you talk about left tackles and they talk about the get off at the snap.
0: Explain who the that, left tackle is there quickly.
1: So the left tackle is the guy on the left of the offensive line. When the, the centre is the guy who snaps the ball, there's one guy next to him on his left and then there's another guy on the outside of him. It's when they talk nine. about get off on the line, the massive key to that, and it'll be with Laramie Tunsil to Houston Texans, you'll see it a lot, is how quickly they can get back. Because you have to stay in front of the, of the defender all the time. So if you're six foot five and 25 or 23 stone, and you have to get back really quickly, it's a rare athlete who can do that. So that's why holding is kind of a has a massive impact on how you evaluate offensive linemen because they have to be able to get into positions that you wouldn't expect them to get into. You have to stay in front of them at all times, and the the defensively there's holding as well where. If they're, they're trying to run the ball and the offensive lineman has to get to a specific spot the defender might grab him and try and prevent him from getting there which will stop the running back in the backfield but that's a whole other kettle of fish
2: Happy? Yeah I'm, it's, My head is growing with all this knowledge That's this week's Rookie Corner
0: Are you a complete rookie? Let's preview the big game of the weekend then um, it is the two best quarterbacks in football it is the two best teams in football it is the Ravens against the Kansas City Chiefs in week three What's going to happen here Keen?
1: Are we going to keep Bender here and get him to try and break this down as well? I hope we do. Um, I, 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 like with with this Chiefs Ravens, I've kind of just wanted to just leave it leave it alone and say, hey, look, what happens happens in that game because those are two incredible teams, two evenly matched teams, two teams that I just like. You can't you can't confidently say, oh, this team is going to beat that team, even though the Chiefs have beaten the Ravens in both of their matchups so far in the Lamar Jackson era. But the Chiefs have also played both of those games at home. Jackson has had poor games on his own in those games outside of the other one. Like, he's performed everywhere else. So you kind of say it's an aberration rather than anything else that's happening. And then you look at, like, the quality they've added in the offseason. In the offseason, they upgraded their defensive line. It's been outstanding so far. They, they manhandled the Houston Texans and came away with winners from that easy. The Chiefs, on the other hand, have struggled. And they've struggled in part because the offensive line is a massive weakness there. And so that's going to be a matchup advantage for the Ravens straight off the bat but also because Patrick Mahomes hasn't played that well. Like he's, he, he's getting this reputation now as this four-quarter comeback guy who can win games at the end, which is obviously an incredible thing he's able to do, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league still. But part of the reason they're getting into these deficits is Patrick Mahomes missing throws and making poor decisions. And last week, the Chargers were really aggressive. They blitzed him. They played aggressive man coverage. They dared Tyree Kill to win one-on-one. He wasn't able to. So there was a a quality there, or there was a game plan there that was laid out for the Ravens to follow because the Ravens have similarities to the Chargers' defense where they've got these elite-level cornerbacks and they've got more than two of them. So they can play that aggressive man coverage we're talking about previously. They can dare Tyree Kill to try and beat him. They can dare Mahomes to try and find a way to throw deep all the time. And if he can't do that... I would expect the Ravens to win this game relatively easily but the problem with doing that is Patrick Mahomes will just turn it on at any stage and he could come back this week and get back to being the guy we saw during the playoffs or during the Super Bowl last year where he's outstanding and he just wins the game on his own so it, it's going to be an incredible game of football it's it's the best matchup I think we've probably had maybe since the Patriots Seahawks when the Seahawks were at their prime I'm trying to think of a better matchup between two of the best teams of the league it's not often in the NFL you get two teams who are clearly the first and are the best and the second best who go against each other who have quarterbacks who are this good and who have strengths all over the field Like often you might get the best versus the second best in a, league, in a year when the league is down or you might have got it when it was Brady Manning the Colts and the Patriots and you always felt like the Patriots are better than the Colts that's not really the case here I think that this is a so evenly match And it's going to be Such a good game
0: Yeah and yet Baltimore are actually Quite strong favourites With the bookmakers For this one The spread is three and a half points They're two to one on In uh, various places That seems Like this should be Closer to a Pick'em I guess the point you made We haven't seen The wide receivers Play well From Kansas This season And without them All of a sudden They look like They're a team That you can defend against if the wide receivers start to play well, in particular, if Tyree Kill or even if Hardman comes on, all of a sudden, then Patrick Mahomes can literally do everything against you. Uh, so it's funny how yep. the Jenga pieces actually really matter.
1: Yeah, and the, the vertical passing game hasn't really been there so through two weeks. Like in week one, they just threw the ball short all the time because they knew they could beat the Texans that way. In week two, the Chargers took it away, like we talked about. Uh, the the line being three and a half, like generally, I, I'm not sure how this is working this year because there's no fans. I don't know if that's taken into account. Generally in the NFL, the home team starts at minus three. So if this, the Ravens are at minus three and a half, it means they're slight favorites rather than kind of three and a half point favorites. But I also think like the what You're saying there in terms of McCall Hardman coming in, that would be huge because Demarcus Robinson, as good as he is and how much he can be effective in his role, he's not got that level of explosiveness that McCall Hardman has. And Hardman's been suspiciously quiet. Like, we expected him to kick on this year, and he was supposed to be pushing Sammy Watkins. I never really expected that because I think Sammy Watkins is much better than people give him credit for. But he should have been the clear fourth option behind Terry Kill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Sammy Watkins, and then him. Like, Clyde Edwards Hallaire has been really good, so he. He's obviously going to take his portion of the offense as well. But it, it does feel a little bit concern- like, concerning is the wrong word. They're still 2-0. and They have struggled a little bit in the second game, but they're still running Super Bowl champions. They still have a huge amount of talent. But it's concerning when you have certain expectations for them to take a step forward. I'm not sure they're going to take a step forward this year as much as they stay at the level they were last year, which might still be enough to win a Super Bowl.
0: Okay, let's run through the uh, fixtures for this week. There's some final few talking points that we need to get to it's the Dolphins at the Jags we know the Dolphins have um, beaten the Jags 31-13 it's Washington at the Browns the Raiders at the Patriots it's a great game for the 6 o'clock kickoffs on Sunday evening the Rams at the Bills is also 2-2-0 and teams the Tennessee Titans at the Minnesota Vikings if Tennessee can beat Minnesota then it is a full-blown crisis for Minnesota and they are who we thought they were at the start of the season the 49ers going they back should to the scene of the crime last week against the Giants this week. Um, uh, The Bengals at the Eagles, an opportunity for Joe Burrow again to send Philadelphia into a tailspin. Uh, The Bears at the Falcons, we'll talk about um, the Falcons and Dallas in a moment. Houston at the Steelers, a bit of a crisis for Houston Brewing as well, they're 0-2, and you've just paid your quarterback a lot of money and you've traded away the best receiver in football at the moment. And it's like, oh, did we do? Did, was that a good decision? Panthers at the Chargers. The um, New York Jets, I think it is, at the Colts. Cowboys at Seahawks. Detroit at Arizona, which is like any time you get to watch Arizona, you should watch them because Kyler Murray is absolutely sensational. The Bucs at the Broncos. Uh, the Green Bay Packers at the New Orleans Saints. And we've just talked about the Kansas City Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens. Are the Cowboys for real or what, what, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> was anything about that game real? That was like we've seen some bizarre things in this sport and it's why I hate the win probability graph that always comes up because yeah, it's sports this is what happens. Sometimes you can get crazy comebacks and that one was as crazy as anything we've ever seen and the poor Falcons had to be at the at the wrong end of it once again. Craig Zuerlein not only had the great onside kick, but had a great field goal to win the game at the end. CeeDee Lamb had a huge impact in the game, caught that pass at the end to set up the field goal, and is also becoming, a, or is also already proven to be a major mismatch for the for oppositions or for the opponent. Um, where are the Cowboys at overall? Difficult thing, like they haven't been consistent, and Mike, like they had four fumbles in the first quarter last week. Four fumbles in one quarter is insane. How like, how you manage to do that? And it's such a Cowboys thing to do where you're just beating yourself. The offensive line has injuries. Tyron Smith's hurt. The, Lyle Collins is hurt. They're not really performing where they need to be on the offensive line. Dak has been all right. He's been solid. Not at his best, not at his worst. He's kind of been... Uh, I know Bob Sturm is describing as a thermometer where he plays to the level of his opponent all the time too often, which is maybe a fair criticism. I'm not sure about it myself. But defensively, Jalen Smith's a complete mess. He looks like he's running on one leg, which is not something you just say flippantly with him because he literally had one functioning leg for a long time after coming out of college with a really bad knee injury. So that's a massive concern. Leighton Van der Esch has already gone injured, so they're missing the folk or the the middle pack of part of their defense. It does feel like they should sign Earl Thomas, but they have shown no interest to sign Earl Thomas. Their defensive backs last week dropped a couple of interceptions, and Trevon Diggs really struggled with uh with Calvin Ridley, who's just at a further uh, a further point in his career. Trevon Diggs is. The Cowboys rookie cornerback who looks really, really good, but is a little bit inconsistent right now. They need him. He's, they're trying to get him to replace Byron Jones, which just is not going to happen in year one. I think in the first two games, you've seen a team that's capable of pulling up a huge number, number of points on offense. That's capable of being a very, very good team, but has the same old mistakes and the same old coaching problems from last year, even though they have a new regime. So where are the Cowboys right now? What are the Cowboys? probably very similar to what they were last year scraping into the playoffs but being the well they weren't the best of the NFC East last year but I think they will be the best of the NFC East this year because the Eagles look even worse than them
0: yeah the Eagles I like, pre-season like oh, I think the Eagles might be good this year Whew. really glad I didn't put my money where my mouth is and uh, I, there, there's a chance for them to recover they've got Joe Burrow this week you know let's cool the Jets until Joe Burrow actually wins a game here uh, I understand that he didn't throw an interception last week but like you know that you want the rookie quarterback coming in when you need yeah win. that's
1: that's going to be a major problem for them on the offensive line too against the Eagles' defensive line. For as much as the Eagles have struggled in different areas, their defensive line has been outstanding for two weeks and the Bengals' offensive line has been a major issue. Burrow's under too much pressure and that's not the reason he's playing poorly but it is limiting what they can do on offense. The Carson Wentz has been such a major problem for the Eagles so far. So last year, Jameis Winston had a historic pace of interceptable passes where he's throwing one every 13 passes. He ended up with 45 and 626 attempts. Yeah, Wentz this year so far has 7 on 80-85 he's throwing one every 12 attempts which is worse than what Jameis Winston was last year that's an insane number especially for him who isn't really thought about that way with more than that he's also now uh, been accurate on 12 of 28 passes that have travelled further than 10 yards downfield like that's insane for the receivers he has they're wide open all the time he's missing missing badly he's not just missing often he's missing ugly ways where his arm strength doesn't look like it's fully where it needs to be which is a concern because he's had a bunch of injuries and his body looks like it's breaking down already they really really need to win this week they should win this week if they don't, I think there'll be calls for like there won't be real calls for Jalen Hurts for a while, but there'll be calls for something to change, and it might be Doug Peterson that the Eagles won't be okay with this because they were coming into the season expecting to be right there next to the Cowboys. Obviously, the offensive line injuries have had a big, big part of that, but even accounting for the offensive line, they just simply haven't been good enough.
0: Aaron Rodgers is available about eleven to one, as short as eight to one for MVP. I mean, that's the. Form. he's shown, the narrative around him, the fact that he's so beloved, surely he's got a great chance at the moment.
1: The only reason you won't bet on that is that you need Russell Wilson to have a little bit of a drop off. It feels like like a lot of the narrative this year is Russell Wilson has never won an MVP, Russell Wilson has never got a vote for an MVP, and uh, he's already the favourite to be MVP, so that's being pushed an awful lot. But the, the crazy thing about Aaron Rodgers is all of the problems in their offense from last year still exist. They are dropping so many passes, and he is just making incredible throws. Like the, the, one of his throws this week to Marcus valdez scanning down the right, right sideline was uh, against a blitz up the middle that was just barely picked up, which meant he had to throw the ball while moving backwards from the far hash, dropping it perfectly over his receiver's shoulder on the outside sideline, which meant the ball was thrown about 60 yards in the air for a 40-yard gain, and it was perfect like the timing of it the the placement of it it's just ridiculous how well he's throwing the ball right now and even for Aaron Rodgers you sit back and you look at it and you go oh, yeah, he's always been this guy, but suddenly he's this guy every single snap. Suddenly he's not missing any throws, and suddenly he's making making throws that are supposed to be in his highlight reel that are in every single drive of the game. Like, he, he's throwing the ball to Alan Lazard, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Devontae Adams got injured. You've got uh, tight ends there, Jay Sternberger, who had two drops that were wide open for big plays. One of those is actually marked off for an offensive holding penalty. Now Endo understands what I'm talking about when I say that. But he's so many drops there that the Packers are still limited. But if Rodgers plays like this, it might not matter. And the biggest benefactor of all the 49ers' injuries is the Packers. Because the 49ers are the one team in the league that could go to the Packers and just say, we're going to overwhelm you everywhere to the point that what Aaron Rodgers does does not even matter. But without Nick Bosa, without Solomon Thomas, without, well, Jimmy Garoppolo less so, but without all of the injuries that they have and like Raheem Moser dealing with hurt and being hurt as well, without all of those pieces and George Kittle how did I forget George Kittle suddenly there's an actual leveling out process there where the 49ers and the Packers are on somewhat of the same page and you've got either Nick Mullins or Jimmy Garoppolo going against this version of Aaron Rodgers that's a big change
0: well it is totally different and remember only one team in both conferences, gets a first-round bye this year. So uh, the first-round buy is going to be very important. You'll get that extra week to rest up your weary body and um, try and get a bit of momentum. And we've seen the importance of having those first-round buys in terms of the successful ratio of teams who have them getting through to the Super Bowl. So I guess that they also get the first-round bye because they're the best team. So, you know, it's a bit of cause and effect and uh, super um, uh, interpretation. Anything else before we go?
1: No, just like the uh, the quality of football's been really good this year, and like red zone, they're they're stacking red zone kind of. It feels like for us a little bit because red zone's getting ten games at six o'clock most weeks, which means there's action constantly going. But even if you like take out the drama elements and the excitement elements of it, the quality of football this year has been quite high. So if you if you're really kind of diving a little bit further into the NFL because we can't go to the pub and stuff like that, it's a great year for us.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. King, good stuff. Thanks, many for joining us as ever. Thank you. That's uh, Keen Value with us every week here on the Snap, and a reminder, of course, the Snap and all our American football coverage is brought to you by the Airlingus College Football Classic. Check out collegefootballireland.com for uh, all the details about next year's game, Illinois against Nebraska, and we're all very hopeful that that one will be able to go ahead. See you next week. OTB's American Football Show, the Snap. <laughs> That was an OTB Podcast Network presentation.